Hey friend, I'm Laura Lee and welcome to Living in the Light. Here on the podcast, we share our stories of how Jesus has brought us from the dark and into his glorious and powerful light. This is a space for you to be encouraged and to remember that your story matters. With God, even the brokenness has incredible purpose and meaning. I'm here to bring real life to light. Hey friend, welcome to Living in the Light. Thanks for being here again this week as we continue season four of the podcast. We are calling this season Hope in the Light as we lean into the good news of the hope that we have as we live out lives as followers of Jesus. The world is longing to know from where we find and experience our hope. And I believe, and the guests joining me this season believe, that the light of Jesus is our deep satisfaction and the source of true hope in life. Today on the podcast, I sat down with both my friend and my pastor, Ashley Anderson. Ashley pastors at Church of the City, New York, and she is someone who I deeply respect and honor as a sister in Christ, as a communicator and teacher of God's word, and as a shepherd and leader in the church. Today we are talking about biblical suffering and how Jesus, the suffering servant, is the ultimate example for us as his followers. In today's episode, we lean into breaking ties with sin, the endurance God gives us to press in and to persist in the glory of God that is on display as we entrust ourselves to him amidst suffering. Today's episode will encourage you as we meditate on the hope we have in the gift of God's friendship, his spirit, and his victory as we live fruitful lives. I'm going to start today's episode by reading the anchor scripture. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12-16 through 16. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. This is the word of the Lord. Now here's my conversation with Pastor Ashley Anderson. Well, Ashley, welcome to the podcast. Laura Lee, thank you so much for having me here. So it's such an honor to join you. So let's start by, I would love if you would just tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do and... Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I live and work in Manhattan, so I work for Church of the City, New York. I am currently the group's pastor at Church of the City, but I'm actually in a moment of transition. So in the fall, I'll be moving into a new role of missions pastor so something i'm really excited about um what that means is for the last couple years my job has primarily been like recruiting and training and caring for and equipping leaders of Mm. small groups and Mm. um come the fall i'll be moving to a time of like complete like dreaming and building 
a ministry in our church that is now expanding and growing. So I'm really excited to be a part of it. It means right now I'm doing a little bit of a lot of things, Um, some training, some events, but also just kind of stirring my heart for missions, doing a lot of learning, and I get to do a little bit of travel in the coming weeks. Going to head back to the Middle East and do a little bit of refugee work about a week from now, visiting some friends who are doing missions work in Amman with some Syrian refugees. So I'm in a slow transition, slow learning, slow time of imagination. That's really exciting, though. Um, I think about this quote that says, the place, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And we kind of touched on that, but it's really cool that mm. God is taking you down a path of something that is really like a deep love and care for his people. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit more about what that is for you. Mm. That's such a good question. And... Um, I think to be totally honest, I'm in my 30s and I'm still figuring that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still am kind of wrapping my Life mind around. Yeah, I think I thought that I would have that down by now, mm-hmm. but to be honest, it's just been more of a journey, more of an unfolding. Um, a friend of mine, Emily Gay, she had encouraged me a couple years ago to like find the thing that God put you on this planet for, the thing that you'll do no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so she used to be the director of a big prayer ministry. Now she's a stay-at-home mom, but she's like, through every season, I've held on to this one thing that I'm put on wow. the planet to do. And she knew what that was for her. And it really created this moment for me where I was like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> so I think that I'm still discerning. But if I had to start to guess, I think that in every season of my life, there's been this passion for me of just helping people walk in obedience to Jesus. Like Mm. more obedience is the thing, whether it's like helping people walk in justice or helping people um, actually like surrender parts of their life to God uh, that have been unsurrendered. So that's a passion of mine. I think partially because I lived a lot of years before knowing Jesus. Then I lived a lot of years knowing Jesus and actually not being totally fully obedient to him. And so once I did fully surrender my life to God and tasted the sweetness and experienced an abundance I had never felt before, it actually gave me so much freedom to like want to point other people in that same direction. Wow. It's beautiful. Maybe that. It's awesome. <laughs> Uh, Along the lines of obedience, um, today we're going to dive into 1 Peter and talk a little bit about your story and Mm -hmm. just this chapter 4 in um, this book of the Bible that leans into suffering. And I had a thought last night at community group of, just like came into my mind of, there's suffering is going to come in this life, no matter who you are, Mm -hmm. Christian or non-Christian, would it? Like, I just thought, wouldn't you want to suffer with deep hope and joy? Yes. And I think that's the theme of our Mm -hmm. conversation today, that, like, what we're in just talking about it in preparation for it is just, like, we have Mm -hmm. such deep hope and joy in Christ, um, and everything, you know, falls short of just His glory and His goodness. So let's lean into suffering mm-hmm. um so in reference to first peter chapter four what is suffering actually <laughs> that's a good question great Sorry. question um suffering is first of all promised to us 
Yeah. It is the path of all people, like you said. And like you said, um, all people will experience it, but we as believers get to experience it in hope, yeah. which is beautiful, really well said. Um, mm-hmm. And another piece of that is that we actually get to experience that with companionship with Christ. Mm-hmm. We are promised that we don't suffer alone. And so this passage unfolds this invitation to suffer with Christ. Therefore, you will also be glorified with Christ. We get to mm-hmm. share with him in his suffering. We get to share with him mm-hmm. in his glory. Yeah. And I think vice versa, he actually steps into our point of pain with us yeah. so that we never experience it alone. Yeah. It reminds me of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they experienced a fourth man in the fire. Yeah. So at the point of their surrender, at the point of their suffering, the person of Jesus' manifest presence is with them. Um, and I think that that is true for us when we suffer. We don't suffer alone. So it's an invitation to companionship with Christ, both in his glory and in his suffering and loss. That's so good. So for you personally in your own journey walking with Jesus, how has surrender, that word um, specifically, like giving your life, to Jesus, submitting to his lordship, how have you seen that in any capacity, like follow, bring some kind of suffering? Yeah, Um, I think a lot of ways. It's interesting because moments of surrender often feel like moments of suffering, but I've found more often they bring more life. which is beautiful, but not always easy to see on the near end of surrender. Mm-hmm. Like when you're approaching it, you just focus on what you're about to give up or what you're yes. about to endure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and on the far end of that, I think I've experienced more freedom, more life, actually like even more blessing and more gifts than I expected. Yeah. Um, so there was like big moments of my life. Like I believed in God for a couple of years before I was really surrendered to God. Mm-hmm. Um, And um, that moment of surrender, that moment of really giving my life to God happened for me on a very specific date. I know that's not everybody's journey, but um, I will like always remember January 2nd, 2011. Wow. That was the day. That was the day I surrendered my life to God. Um, And it came after like years of being half in and half out of, I lived a lot of years not believing in God and then got to a point where I'm like, you know what? I think this guy is who he says he is. I actually believe his statements to be true. I think he's the God of the universe, but that didn't change the way that I lived. Like I wasn't yet ready to like then let him be the God of my life. I knew he controlled the earth, but I was like, oh, are you really going to be Lord of my life? I'm not sure yet. Um, And then after years of that, um, got to a point that I think I realized like, okay, I've run to the end of the road on my own. I've actually seen my life play out with me in control and I don't like the way that it went I was in like a really hard place of actually not really having a good grip on alcohol like abusing alcohol and like continuing to try to like okay I'll try harder I'll drink less I'll change this myself and it just wasn't working I was falling deeper and deeper into that Mm -hmm. um also propelled by just like a lot of loneliness and a lot of like loss of significance loss of identity Um, And, you know, two days after New Year's is a sobriety date for a lot of people. (laughs) You, like, have some, like, rock bottom moments um, often at the beginning of a year, and that was true for me. And so um, I was just driving down the 5 freeway in L.A., and all of a sudden I'm, like, driving out of a weekend that I was really embarrassed by, a weekend Mm -hmm. that, like, 
kind of brought me to a deeper low than I had known before. Um, and all of a sudden, as I'm driving, uh, the five freeway was banked in snow. Like I'm driving back into LA from San Diego and it snowed in LA that weekend. Wow. So I just start to see more and more patches of snow until like the entire thing is covered in snow, which is unreal. It doesn't happen. LA is a yeah, desert. And I didn't know barely any scripture at that time because I was like going to church and I was singing songs, but I wasn't reading a Bible. I wasn't really praying to God. And all of a sudden this song dropped in my spirit sin had cast a crimson stain he washed it white as snow and I had wore this like bright crimson red dress out the night before and it was in the back seat behind me but everything in front of me was covered in white and all of a sudden it felt like grace was real like it could actually change my life and it was for me um and so I just decided in that moment like okay I'm actually done living in control of my life and I'm ready to make every decision as if it's Jesus' decision, to spend every day as if it's like actually Jesus getting to live that day. Yeah. Um, and that actually did bring like a bit of suffering into my life. So giving up alcohol was like not an easy road. I decided to get sober that day. I knew that that was an area where I just needed like full surrender. Mm -hmm. But for weeks I would just have like nightmares that I accidentally messed up or accidentally had a drink. I would wake up in the middle of the night just like not sure of like, can I really do this? Yeah. Um, it changed my social sphere completely. Wow. My friends didn't get what I was doing or why I was doing yeah. it. And immediately I think felt a little bit like judged by my choices. Mm -hmm. You know, I was making decisions differently than them and so it created some distance. Mm -hmm. And distance in my family, I was the first person to come to faith in my family mm. and so while it was both like um I think beautiful for them to get to see that transformation it also then I think made them feel a little bit outside and a little bit othered like okay we all were believing the same thing and living the same way and now you're going this very different path and so um I would say yeah the suffering that that brought was just some uh like real physical <laughs> like wow am I going to be able to keep this sobriety up like my body is reacting to yeah. not having alcohol in it um and then relational uh some distance some separation some like am I crazy <laughs> am I the only person living this way what yeah um yeah wow something that you said that made me think of um just even like my own journey with surrender and suffering uh, was when you are giving something up that you question, like I still find myself mm -hmm. questioning this when God's inviting me to surrender something that is on the other side of this more goodness, yes. something even better. Mm -hmm. Like can I, it's us asking like, God, can I trust that this good thing I'm giving up or what mm -hmm. I think is good, which is turns out usually it's not for my good yeah like is there more good in more life and um like how have you seen since that you know like that initial period of time where like you are just like laying off mm. ways of the world and ways that you thought were good for to receive true life in jesus how have you seen like going from strength to strength and surrender um, have you seen it as a gift mm. that instead of like how how does your perspective 
after seeing him come through and say, oh, wow, you do have more yeah. for me. How does that then help you form an understanding of, okay, like when I am suffering, I know that there is good and I know that there's a gift in this. Yes, such a good question. Um, I think that that like goes back to the the ultimate question of humanity is like, is God withholding something good from me? Mm. Like that was the question that Eve wrestled with in the garden of like yeah sure this whole garden is great but like what about that tree yeah like is that something good that maybe god has withheld um and so i think that's very human yeah (laughs) the like on the other side of this surrender will there be good or am i giving up the good um i think i experienced that in a lot of ways um primarily i think that we we have this like really backwards view of freedom like we think that our freedom is like freedom from all of these like obligations and rules like freedom to do whatever you want yeah. but what i experienced was this reverse freedom like freedom from every from having to fulfill every desire that i had mm. like i was actually a slave to all of these like competing desires and i didn't know how to break free of them yeah. truly uh-huh. and then on the other side of that surrender all of a sudden i had the freedom to say no to an impulse I had the freedom to actually like say no to something wrong that I was believing about myself that I was just like a captive to. Um, And I didn't know, like, you know, scripture talks about Jesus inviting you to live freely and lightly. I didn't know that it was possible to live that freely and that lightly. Um, So those are kind of like existential, like, wow, I experienced a freedom I didn't know and a life I didn't know was possible. Um, and then also really like small and tangible things. I lost a lot of community when I made that decision, but I gained a community that was deeper and richer than I had experienced before. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up in the church, and so I had no real framework for like spiritual family. Um, and later in the year that I gave my life to Christ, I joined my first small group. Um, and it's just all of these women who wrapped around me, um, who had been walking with God a lot longer than I had been. They suffered all of my like, like questions and like ignorance. Honestly, I didn't know very much about faith or Jesus and, um, they were just faithful and true friends. Some of them still very present in my life today. That's beautiful. There are, it's, um, I think it's Psalm 84, because you literally said it, like, when you mentioned that the question that all humanity is asking, Mm -hmm. but the, I think it says, no good thing does he withhold from those who trust in him. Mm -hmm. And it also says in that passage, like, they go from strength to strength, Mm -hmm. and I just think of that, like, us going from glory to glory as we're just, like, laying off, Mm -hmm. um, burdens and and things that we're slaves to to become like people who live more free and more light and it truly being a gift but it it comes at a cost to to trust and to have faith Mm -hmm. um faith I want to camp out in that a little bit because you mentioned hebrews 11 Mm. earlier and why does why is faith so essential and foundational to what we're talking about right now? Yes, that is the question. <laughs> That's the question. Um, 
I think that Hebrews 11 is just one of the most beautiful passages mm-hmm. in scripture. Um, and it says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, confidence in what is unseen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's it. That is the key to being willing to suffer in this life. You have to actually live as if this life is not all there is. Mm-hmm. And so Hebrews 11, that is like the hall of faith, um, <laughs> it goes down and it talks about you know all of these accounts of great people who lived with great faith and it says in verse 13 even all of these people were still living by faith when they died um and then actually jumping down so it says uh they didn't receive things they promised they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth people who say such things show that they were looking for a country of their own they've been thinking of the country they left they would have had opportunity to return Mm. instead they were longing for a better country a heavenly one Mm. therefore god is not ashamed to be called their god for he has prepared a city for them and so i think this is it we live by faith when we live as if there's actually a future and forward facing country that we are moving towards and i guess not even just future one that's currently invading earth but it's beyond the natural like if you're living for all that there is in this world suffering will make no sense to you but if you're living as if actually you're not made for this world but another one if you look forward to the city with foundations um i think that's ultimately how you can embrace and endure suffering in a way that produces perseverance character and hope Mm -hmm. because you're looking and longing for beyond your circumstance yeah and then when you're in that trust fall of Mm. can i trust him but like this is where faith camps out and it's where you do say okay well it's the assurance of things hoped for i hope and believe that you are god and even like in hebrews 11 it's not just we're hoping in nothing. <laughs> like yes. We're hoping in like the, the whole story of God yes. that we sit before and read is like God has been who he says he was going to be and mm-hmm. he his promises are true and yes. have come through, you know? Yeah. And so we can trust in the future and in who God has been from the beginning yes. of time. That's good. So that's... I, I love that passage for just like a rooting in, mm-hmm. you know, we, we don't really fully understand, um, but if we like keep our uh, mm-hmm. eyes fixed on where we're going in the world that we were made for. It also makes yes. me think of in John is it 16, where it's like, um, like he says the the world will hate you, but mm-hmm. the world hated me first. Yes. And it's basically saying, you're not of this world, mm-hmm. you're mine. I have chosen you out of this world. So our, we're made for relationship with him and for a yes. home that is, like, we're not yet home. Mm-hmm. And I think that's comforting when it feels like, it truly feels like we're not home yes. a lot of days, you know? Yeah, and it helps wrestling. us make sense of what can feel like a platitude. Because not everybody who suffers gets what's would be determined good on this earth. Earth, I think that's all of what Hebrews goes on to say. It's, you know, down to verse 32. What more should I say? I I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel and the prophets who 
through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions. So it's like all of these big and powerful things. Um, but then it goes down to um, whose weakness turned to strength, who became powerful in battle. But beyond that, they were like tortured. They yeah. were sawed into, they faced jeers, they faced flogging, chains, and imprisonment. They were mm. put to death by stoning, they were sawed into, killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Um, so I think that what is tempting is to believe that our suffering will produce something good and beautiful and perfect in this world and that would be like a circumstance that feels comfortable or a reward that is earthly or something that we'll even see in this lifetime but it's not always true this passage actually says like all of these people did not receive what was promised because god had something better for us that we get to be a part of their story i think so often we interpret the promises of scripture as individual um, even, you know, the passage like, you know, God works all things for the good for those who are called according to his purposes, um, who love God and are called according to his purposes. But um, that's plural, not singular. Like God works all things together for good for all of us, which might look different than my singular personal good. Mm. Like I might not get the full reward. The reward is for the collective. The reward is for the people. So my sacrifice actually might mean that the story bends towards good and that more people experience the goodness of God but it might not mean that like I actually experience ease or comfort or safety on the other side yeah hey hey friend this is Laura Lee did you know that Rise Collective has an online community Rise Collective Women Online is our ministry's online home where you can connect with other women around the world daily who are also pursuing faith in Jesus Christ. These women truly love each other and just to see them daily sharing scripture and encouragement encourages me. There are women from all across the world, from Spain to the UK to here in the States, and it's just pretty amazing to see how God is moving in women's lives everywhere. When you join Rise Collective Women Online, you also get a free subscription to Right Now Media, the world's largest video library of Bible study content. You don't have to do this life alone. There's a link in the show description to find out more about how to join Rise Collective Women Online today. Now back to my conversation with Ashley. Okay, first Peter, Peter. I wanna look at a few of these verses where it says, so First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Um, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you um so peter tells us that the fiery trial will come like he's Mm. there's so much confidence in his voice in this whole letter and we know that this isn't just a letter for the people that peter was writing to like 
this is for us and applies to our very lives today. Um, and something that stood out to me, which I think that you shared this, and um, it was in reference to the context, but it said, it was explained earlier that the persecution was not state-sponsored or an official policy of the empire. Instead, the suffering was local and sporadic. Discrimination and mistreatment for Christian faith may arise at any time, but being a Christian was not formally illegal. And that really stood out to me because I think that it could feel that way sometimes of it's not, you know, it's not like it's free to be a Christian, but that doesn't mean that we aren't going to experience like just that, the the local and sporadic Mm. felt like resonant of it just, the way it comes in, in different forms, um, and how to be aware, like knowing it might not always, it might, it not, might not be, um, positive. You might get pushback. Yeah. Yeah. You might get pushback for being a Christian and like, what do you do with that? You know, how do we respond to that? And so I guess my question is like knowing like discrimination and mistreatment for Christian faith, that that's clear in this passage. Like we see that, I mean, we live in America, but we see that around the world that like mm-hmm. people are persecuted for being Christian. Um, I want to talk about Jesus because Jesus was experienced this to the height, like very mm-hmm. Son of God, um, being knowing, like living his life in his ministry with a lot of pushback. How did Jesus participate with the pushback, and what can we learn from him in how to live our lives in the midst? of trial that comes wow um maybe i'll just examine one portion of jesus life because i think that he lived this again and again and again um but even just looking at the end of jesus life from the garden to the cross this is obviously Mm. like the culmination of a great amount of mistreatment and Mm. persecution um, but I think a few things, a few signals that Jesus gave us through his life that we can model. Um, first, in the garden, he was really honest with himself about his pain and sorrow and loss. Um, so I think it is this like right relationship with self that he modeled in the midst of suffering that sometimes we can be tempted to like spiritually bypass some suffering and be like you know god will work all things together for the good and jump ahead Mm. to like future hope and actually jesus first sat in his pain and he measured it and he recognized it and he cried out to the father Mm -hmm. um so he was really honest with himself in the midst of pain um the second thing he did was he trusted the father Mm. so he actually contended with god he held up like if there's any way let this cup pass from me like actually if there's any other way out of this i would like that way um but he then surrendered his will to the father not my will but your will be done Mm -hmm. and i think that that was not um like perfunctory i think that that was a deep and true trust in the father's will and the father's plan um and so that's another piece that he modeled for us he's honest with himself but he trusted the father and then his outward facing relationship with others this horizontal relationship was also on display in the midst of like incredible suffering i can't imagine hanging on a cross and thinking about anyone else except for me my own pain my own anguish but he looked down at mary and john and he put them in relationship with each other 
he knew that as soon as he was gone, they would need each other more than ever. Mary needed a son, John needed a mother, and so he's like sitting in his own sorrow, and then he looks out to the needs of others. And even those who were crucifying him, he led with compassion. He said like, forgive them, they know not what they do. Um, and so I think that in the midst of great uh, mistreatment, Jesus had these three movements, checked in with himself, mm. looked up, trusted the Father, and then looked at the horizon of people. And he just leaned in with compassion. Mm. It's just like, wow, <laughs> how? how did he wow. do all of that? Um, but I think those are some beautiful examples of how we can walk through pain, mistreatment. I feel like I think about like what you were just saying and just the intimacy and trust that he had in God and in the thought like he's God he's the very son of God and he still needs God yeah and mm-hmm. needs to be close to him and isn't and just like crying out in prayer to the father at yeah. the very end of his life that how much more you know do we need yes. God and so good in the honesty you know just like mm-hmm. i've been challenged in that recently in prayer of like how often do i come to god with thinking like i need to mm-hmm. kind of like clean up the way i pray or yes. like just like bring something to him and he's like mm-hmm. bring your raw authentic self like tell yeah. me all the the hardest deepest parts of mm-hmm. like that's where we're gonna find um just the care and the comfort yes and endurance and everything we need to keep going through the suffering and I think you just like really nailed that with mm-hmm. how Jesus demonstrated that in like the height mm-hmm. in a time that was like the height of his yeah. of his suffering that's so good about what you even expanded on the honesty piece is mm-hmm. I think what is your deepest suffering right now in your life is not going to be the same as like somebody across the planet's like the Ukrainian church's deepest suffering right now. It's very different. Yeah. And I think sometimes we have this tendency to measure our suffering against other people's and say like, oh, it's just really not that mm. bad <laughs> compared to theirs. Yeah. Even compared to God's suffering, like ours yeah. is just really not that bad. And so we have this tendency to minimize. Um, mm. But I love what you said about bringing the full honesty of that to God yeah. because He cares actually. He he really cares for you and he wants to hear that and he wants to meet you in that pain, even though it's not the same as somebody else's pain. Yeah. And we talked about the gift of suffering earlier, like Mm. the gift of the life he's giving us on the other side of it. And like every time I am completely honest with him, like the gift is that like any relationship when you're really honest with another person there's like a vulnerability and a shared experience there and then it takes you deeper with them Mm -hmm. and you trust them more Mm -hmm. and like your faith grows and it's strengthened and so even the gift in the the honesty and in Mm -hmm. the like what's the word like just anguish yeah you know that he's you're going deeper with jesus and Mm -hmm. that is a gift in itself Hey friends, did you know I send out a weekly email newsletter? Be sure and subscribe to the Rise Collective newsletter. This newsletter goes out every Tuesday with a few words from me, links to the new podcast episode and the episode show description, as well as updates from the Rise Collective ministry 
and ways that you can be a part of the work God is doing in this ministry and in the lives of women following Jesus all around the world. Now back to my conversation with Ashley. I want to talk a little bit about living set apart and how when we grow with God and become more like Jesus, our cravings change Mm. and what we see how satisfying he is and we see the life on the other side of like the trust wall that we were talking about Mm -hmm. earlier and it makes us want more and more of him and also just like the spirit makes us want more and more Mm -hmm. like there's just this deep spiritual work that we can't even argue with the holy spirit comes in and makes it in art un unarguably is that a word that sounds right to me. unarguably like <laughs> i want to live this way because there's something at work in me that is just mm. like making me want this more than anything else yeah um so how does how does suffering reveal what we crave mm. that's good my question. question good question um I would say suffering both reveals what we crave and it changes what we crave. I think that's kind of what you just summarized is um, in moments of suffering, it actually reveals what um, what I've been holding dear in my heart that's even like maybe not God. <laughs> like have I been holding dear uh, comfort? Mm-hmm. or control um, or approval or things it, it reveals what we have been actually craving mm-hmm. it's almost like pulls back the curtain and you see the true your true heart yeah um, but like you said it actually can also change what we crave it can change the longings of our heart um, scripture says actually what's summarized by Kierkegaard um, of the truth of scripture is you become what you behold and in moments of suffering you have a lot of options you can look like down at your circumstance you could look within for strength but one option is to look up to god for help i feel like that's that second corinthians piece of like okay we in weakness get to have our weakness made perfect by the power of god Mm -hmm. so you can partner your weakness with god's power you can like look towards him for help um and then as you do you become more like him Um, when your eyes are locked on him. And I think that you said it well earlier that when our life is going good, we tend to look to God less. We look to our own circumstance, our strength, things are going well, we just don't need him as much. But when we face trials, we need him more, we look at him more and we become more like him, we crave more of him because of that. Um, So yeah, I've experienced both. I've experienced in suffering saying like, oh, I didn't know how much I needed control until I didn't have it. Yeah. Um, and then I've also experienced like leaning more on God and just wanting more of that. Like that's actually the thing that got me through. It wasn't control. I can't control my way through any like bad circumstance, but yeah. actually looking to God, um, change that. Wow. Is there like a specific time or like memory you have or just like a personal experience of like suffering revealing something specific that you were craving and yeah suffering revealing something specific you were craving that wasn't what the lord had for you Mm. um i think that even circling back to the passage you shared earlier um john 15 is actually in 
my notes that I thought about if the world hates you keep in mind it hated me first wow because you don't belong to the world Mm -hmm. um and there have been times in the last year where um actually I lost a lot of friends in the last couple of years I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people did through COVID both through distance and then a lot of polarization that happened in our world Mm -hmm. but um I had a lot of friends start to pull apart their faith in the last couple of years and then um, unfortunately also pulled apart our friendship in the process of that Mm -hmm. and it has just been one of the deepest and most unexpected griefs uh, that I have experienced Um, and I think in those moments I realized this deep craving and longing um, for their approval for their relationship I think my expectation was that even they would like me more than they liked Jesus, which was just this real mm. false belief. And <laughs> Jesus is yeah. like, oh, they actually rejected me. You should expect to be rejected also. Mm. Um, I had a friend years ago say, like, why, if they gave Jesus a crown of thorns, would we expect a crown of roses? Mm. Um, so I think it revealed this deep craving for um, just some level of, like, belonging and significance with people that had actually not extended that to Jesus. (laughs) So that probably wasn't a fair expectation. Um, So I think I'm learning what it means to um, just have like such rooted relationship with God that I'm less shaken by the loss of those other things. And it doesn't mean that I'm not honest with my pain like Jesus was, but Mm -hmm. um, he's giving me something deeper to hold on to. Wow. So... What's the end goal here? (laughs) We talked about it a little bit. um, But you said a quote that, or something that our pastor, John Tyson, says a lot, um, that the clock determines the play. Mm. And so I thought we could, like, end our time talking about this verse that he says, the end of all things is near. Mm. Yeah, verse 7. The end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Um, yeah, that the end of all things. This, The end of all things is near is a word called engizo. I'm probably saying it wrong. Engizo, which is to make near, approach, to be at hand, to come, to draw near. The same word Jesus used when he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah. So what would you say about the end of all things being near? What does it mean? Um, What does this mean to us Mm -hmm. in suffering that the clock does determine the play? Like, what is that? Um... I think what that makes me feel is this freedom to just like spend it all (laughs) like to keep nothing in the tank and being willing to pour out your life um, for the sake of the kingdom that is already here Mm -hmm. it's this announcement of like hey the kingdom's here you don't have to ration your love anymore you don't have to ration your energy you don't have to ration your endurance like it's here reprieve is coming so just like spend it all 
leave nothing um, like undone, unsaid. I think it's this just like earnest invitation of just like be sober-minded so that you can pray, love, serve, speak, um, and all of that is like rooted. It says like and God's grace in various forms, and so I think it's this like um, know that. Uh, backup is here (laughs) like the kingdom of god and the power of god have rushed in and so um i think it just gives us this ability to live more freely and more fully for the kingdom not in a way that like okay i'm off on my own and i have to make this work and i have to sustain this i think that's something that um i often feel depleted by if i think like whatever i do right now i have to sustain long term but it's like the power of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. Like rejoice and rest (laughs) Um, in that. Um, Even a very silly example of like, I'm in a transition moment in my job. And so I only have a couple months left on groups. I'm spending everything in my tank Mm. on groups. I'm doing more than I've ever done (laughs) for um, this ministry that I've gotten to be a part of for years because I know actually the end is near and I want to leave nothing unfinished. Um, And so I'm just like doubling down, pouring in. Um, Having a finish line, I feel like actually gives us strength. Yeah. I don't know if you felt this. You ran a half marathon not that yeah, long we ago. Did. We ran did a half marathon. You feel different when you know the end is near. Yeah. Like when you know you're getting close to 13.1. You're like, yeah. I can push harder. I, yeah, I remember saying that to Emily. I was like, let's just sprint the let's next two it. miles. Yes. <laughs> it's like um, we're almost done. Yeah, there's a new energy knowing yeah. that there's like hope on the horizon. And yeah. so I think that it's this invitation to live like this for maybe like 10, 20, 30, 40 years. It mm-hmm. might not feel like near in our own clock or mind um but in the grand like story of history actually like the kingdom is currently invading earth taking up more and more ground and i think we can take heart yeah that we get to participate in it Mm -hmm. it changes the whole perspective yeah yeah it does feel long sometimes but to (laughs) remember that this is like this is a like this is a moment Uh this is like a blink of an eye Mm -hmm. and the only thing that's eternal are like souls yes (laughs) um i have a friend bring heaven to earth so good i have a friend that she and i have this like annoying habit of sharing this piece of advice back and forth when we're like at the end of something and we're almost ready to give up and it's you'll never regret finishing strong Um, like you'll never regret being faithful to the end you'll never regret like following through she told it to me in grad school I told it back to her in grad school she told it to me at the end of a season that felt like it was gonna last forever we just keep sharing that piece of advice Mm -hmm. back and forth to each other so I feel like this is Peter being like you'll never regret finishing your life strong yeah running the race running through the finish line Mm -hmm. Moses just came into my mind and the verse at the end is like the end of Exodus where it says like he died with like vigor unabated. Wow. Like vigor unabated. Wow. Like he's just seen so much. Mm-hmm. He's seen so much like rebellion against God. He's seen so many beautiful things that God has done. And like he died with vigor. Like wow. he just like kept running, so you good. know, through the end. And I feel like stories in that, in the, like, like that in the Bible, like Moses and Joshua and mm-hmm everybody in the hall of faith where they just Mm -hmm. like kept going like they kept having faith and that endurance kept them um to the hope the final hope yes well ashley any last thoughts 
Wow. This is a beautiful conversation. It's a beautiful Thank conversation. Thank you for inviting me into it. Um, I think that we covered it. This is just so a too. really beautiful invitation to surrender um, mm-hmm. all parts of your life to the person of Jesus, knowing and trusting mm-hmm. that he is good and he does good and he wants good for you. He's mm-hmm. with you in suffering and that he'll provide the grace for you to endure. Would you close us in prayer? I'd love to. Okay. Um, God, I thank you so much for, wow, the opportunity and the privilege to open your word. God, I thank you for the way that you have worked through centuries, um, stories of faithfulness and stories of good and stories of redemption and that we get to be a part of that. It's astounding. So thank you, God. I pray for the listeners um, of this podcast, God, just what a gift to be able to spend this time with them, Lord. I pray that you would encourage them where they need encouragement. I pray that you would strengthen them where they need strength. And God, if there are areas of their lives that you are inviting them to surrender, God, I just pray for the grace to do that. I pray that you would meet them in powerful ways through that. And um, God, I just pray, Lord, that in the midst of suffering, they would see that fourth man in the fire. God, that they would see the person of Jesus clearly and compassionately standing with them in the midst of their pain and their suffering. And so, uh, Holy Spirit, be with them this day in a tangible way, in a way that gives them peace and hope, um, in a way that helps them endure. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, what a word today from Pastor Ashley. We hope you join us next week as we continue our summer series through the book of 1 Peter, talking about the hope we have in Jesus. I am so excited to share with you that I have written our very first Rise Collective Bible study called Hope and Holiness, a study through the book of 1 Peter. There are online discipleship groups happening in Rise Collective Women Online, as well as discipleship groups to participate in our community in New York City. These groups are currently closed as we already launched the Bible study, but we still want to encourage you to join us to walk through this book of the Bible. You don't have to do this study alone. Grab a friend, a cup of coffee, and your Bible, and go through the study together. It's a six-week study one intro week in five weeks that you walk daily through the five chapters of 1 Peter. You can begin this whenever with whomever. Hope and Holiness is free. Yes, it's a free download. You can download the study in the show description today. I want to give a shout out to Anmai Zubia, Judy Mills, and Olivia Moonshearseth, who served as editors and Anna Mack, our Rise Collective intern for graphic design, as well as Emily Denny, who took the beautiful photographs you'll see in the study. It takes a village. Just a reminder that I'm posting about living in the light with Laura Lee on the Rise Collective Instagram. So be sure and follow at Rise Collective Women on Instagram for weekly posts about the show. We would love it if you would share these episodes with your friends, post them on your stories so that more people can be encouraged. You can follow along posts from my day-to-day life on Instagram at Turner. 
I want to give a special thank you to Colleen Bruton for editing the podcast and Mike Stapleton and Helen Kemeny for the original music heard on the show. Thanks for listening, friend. Go in light and in love, and I will talk to you next week.